So to me, it's more the the comfort. <laughs> Welcome everyone and pull up a seat at the table. It's lunchtime in Rome. Tonight we have episode 155 entitled Bad Patterns in Relationships Part 2, The Solution. Last week in episode 154, we began talking about bad patterns that we have in relationships. And they happen when you have the same fight over and over again with different details, but similar results. And when you look back, it's basically the same fight all over again. This week, we will equip you with all that it takes to break that negative pattern and to properly heal hurts and and navigate disagreements. So, pull up a seat at the table and join us. First-time listeners can subscribe on your favorite podcast app or listen directly on lunchtimeinrome.com. While there, please take our relational needs questionnaire and make sure to follow us on all social media, and it would be great if you could give us a five-star review. Meanwhile, Jay, what specifically is this podcast about? Being alone is the worst. Good times aren't as good and bad times are worse when you're all alone. Romans 12, 15 says to rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. That is how you keep people from being alone and what this podcast is all about. We demonstrate that in the first 15 minutes of the podcast, and then we talk about it for the rest. So while it may not be 1215 in Rome, we're treating it like it is. Lunchtime in Rome. Rome. What is going on? Um, what is it? All right. So uh, I'll be real quick on the first one because it's it's a I sound like a broken record every week. Oh, take your time. We only got three here tonight. That's right. <laughs> but I, I'm just so tired, like mentally, mm-hmm. uh, and I just need I need to check out. Well, how about the the idea too? Like you say, you're you're stuck in it. Like when you're that tired, that's all you can be is stuck in it you know what i mean like Like, i feel for you i have yeah i'm just tired i need to check out i'm excited for the second half of this month going away with amy the deep creek and then we got the disc golf tournament or not tournament but uh uh trip and uh yeah very excited about that um and something i'm also excited about is uh Made a made a pretty big purchase. I'm glad you didn't go down to the garage because then you you didn't see it. Oh, the Tesla bigger. Th- <laughs> That'd well, be awesome. Cybertruck. It's electric. It's got four wheels. Tractor. Chris, I know. Like tractor. Wait a you know the feeling when you get people's turning turning heads looking at you in in your electric vehicle. You purchased an electric tractor. No, I got an electric mower. An electric, but a, <laughs> it's a it's a it's a Ryobi electric mower. A push mower. Yeah. Okay. Self propelled. Nice. nice. How many aw- volts on that? It's battery? awesome. Forty. Forty. <laughs> and it's interesting how it works. Like the, it has two big batteries, and I can do the front yard on one. Oh. And then you just there's a key inside that you take out and you flip it and you switch to the other battery and you just keep on. And you get the back down in the in the other one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the top the top of the back, and then I have a gas powered for the lower yard. Yeah, right. Yeah, you don't want to look that. Well, up that's and why down. I'd rather because my one that I have up here died. You know, for the upper yard. So. Nice. But I like it. It's neat. It's like it's there's a little bit of a learning curve because the way the mechanics work of 
you know, normally like when you go downhill, you let go of the self-propelled. Right. You know. And then it shuts it off. But this, yeah, it does. It shuts <laughs> it off and you're going to start again. There's like these thumb paddles for the self-propelled parts. So yeah, like a video. Oh, interesting. You know, Are you going to, you going to, yeah, you going to modify it for. Like you do with your controllers and your video games. <laughs> Have Maybe. you found it to be quite a bit quieter than the well, game? sure. Oh, yeah. That's I mean, my favorite. Well, one of my favorite parts of having ours is like. I mean, it just sounds like a big fan. Yeah. Covered by a plastic deck of the you know the yeah mower. that's yeah. pretty much what it is it, it's <laughs> it's cool though like it's it, it's it's cool I, I i was hesitating but then i did my research with like consumer reports and stuff and this one came recommended and it has like the power of a gas mower because that was my thing i like to mulch sure. i don't like the bag yeah and this gives me that capability you don't want like it to a dual blade quit to, on you when yeah. it gets a little thick right out there exactly and i even noticed like i think I'm going to have to have a little bit more time with it. But when it gets thicker, it sounds like it gives it a little bit more power. Like okay. it knows it needs to like, oh, this yeah. is the thick stuff. And Variable I transmission. That'd okay, be awesome sure. if that was built in technologically <laughs> yeah. now. Because I, I know, know if a is, few but... years ago when I was looking at battery ones, like, well, at least reviews online were mm-hmm. saying like, oh, you can't trust them because exactly that. Like when the when the lawn gets too thick, like they just, they can't handle it. Yeah. This one, and we have some thick spots in the front. So yeah, but it worked great. And That's it was awesome. Super fun. Turning heads. New new toy is you know it's like it's different when 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 you're a grown up your toys are like I'm just so glad I have a mower that works really good. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's exciting. Yeah. Less gas. Yeah, I'm curious how much the batteries are though. Like well, to replace? You shouldn't yeah. need sure. them. Well, eventually the rechargeable battery is going to die out. Yeah, like when? I don't know. How long's the life of the mower? Right, they'll they'll last ten years. Five, seven. I know. I think the warranty is five for the mower, or three for the mower, five for the battery. I think. Okay. So, so I'm, so I'm not my, worried about that, it right now. Is that my chainsaw? Is that forty or is that eighteen? What are the like two other sizes? Is it twelve eighteen or is it eighteen forty? Hmm. That's a good question. I fifty seven twenty one as it is. Um. Yeah. It's not. I don't think it, it's a big battery. Like it would add like twice the amount of weight for your chainsaw all right well and so 150 bucks probably yeah and like the charger has like when you put the when you put the battery in it like there's like a fan because it's like a quick charger it only takes one hour to charge one of the batteries which is nice. also nice yeah, yeah. that is much yeah. better than a tesla yeah <laughs> i'm just i'll get on there and you can push me around the neighborhood and yeah other I'm, good news we're making headway with the potty training and yeah. that's going better uh, I saw the little the potty seat in there. That made for a little tighter pee for me. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> <laughs> I give myself like an that's 80%. Little, that's a little game. Uh, you know, that's a little 80%. game. Um, but yeah, it's. I will say that's 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 part of my, uh, my like, I'm done. <laughs> you know, I'm just, it's, it is really like uh, frustrated me. And, yeah, that's... you know, it's like she's peeing down great. It's awesome. Number one's like she's so good at it now, but you know, number two's just not. Number two may as well be number fifty. Yeah, it, it's just <laughs> like she's done them. It's just that they're few and far in between. I just, I just want it to be like, okay, let's get it. You know, um, imagine in like you know fifteen years when all this parenting stuff will be easy. That's all. That's all you got left. Let <laughs> me just kick them out of the house. <laughs> that's what we do. Yeah. Well, I don't have to kick Bella out of the house because uh, she successfully was uh, the lead in the musical and did a good job. So she was amazing. Mm-hmm. 
it was so much fun and so exhausting. And so it was so differently exhausting and nerve wracking. Like the first night I was just so nervous she'd make a mistake. But then as it went on, I was like, okay, she's got this. She's got this. And then the second time going into it, I was fine. And as it started, I was just like, oh, no. Because now I know everything that's going to happen. The second time. I know. Yeah, I know. I'll know if she makes a mistake. Whereas I wouldn't. Mm. It had been a colossal mistake the first time. Right. And like, okay, here comes the big note. Here comes the big note. And I mean, it was so, so emotional and so great. And I was so pumped up and so proud of her. And such a cool moment. When at the end of the first act, she hits the big note and it's, and it's full of emotion for the character. Yeah. Well, that character is also my daughter. Yeah. The storyline kind of mimics who she is anyhow. Yeah. And I was, I felt like a coach cause I, I felt like the way I describe it is I felt like a gymnastics coach, like a Bella Caroli, mm. you know, as she's running down the, you know, as Carrie Strug is running down the, the runway for the vault, you know, as she's getting closer and closer and I'm pump, pumping my fist, pumping my fist. And then she hits the note and I put both fists out and I was so pumped and so <laughs> proud of her. And they go to intermission. I turn around and there's Amy Hammond who was just straight coopering, which is a <laughs> Cougar Town reference because when your mascara runs, you look like Alice Cooper. <laughs> See, it's funny when you tell it. But it was such a, I keep saying such, it was, it was an amazing moment because she's looking at me and she said, I was watching her and I was watching you and I was watching you watching her. <laughs> and I just, and it was, it was a lovely, lovely time. Yeah, it was awesome. It and was great. Bella came up to me Sunday night after the last performance, she didn't have the lead Sunday, but you know, okay, now it's all over. Mm-hmm. And we talked about it and everything else. And she said, she walked into the kitchen. I could tell she's even a little more off. I said, what's up? And she goes, well, I just saw a recording of me singing astonishing. And I, I think you guys are lying to me. Oh no. Mm, you can't go by that. It and, I, it's, and, yeah. and I said, what do you mean? And she said, it just, it just didn't sound like I was great. Hmm. And I paused and I restrained everything I had in me. And I said, honey, I get it. I get it. I said, you know, everybody says that I cook great. And I say, yeah, but Mm -hmm. I said, because we want to be very great. Mm -hmm. And so when we're told how good we were, we go, yeah, but I could have. I said, so I get that. It's okay to feel that way. And then she said something else. And I just started. It was like, all right, I comforted you. Here comes facts, logic, and reason. Here comes criticism. Here comes, I didn't, I skipped selfish and ignore. But she said, I just didn't belt it out. I said, but you hit every note and it was beautiful. And she said, but I didn't belt it out. I said, yeah, better you should belt out a wrong note than Uh hit every note perfectly. And we both laughed because she knows, you know, she's my daughter. She's being really hard on herself. But she's also heard all of these things. So she knows now I'm giving her facts, logic, and reason. She knows that she's getting that. And she was fine with it. And the coolest thing was a woman came up to her, one of the coolest things, Saturday night and said, are you cast A? And she said, no. She goes, what a shame. She said, I was a Gene Kelly judge for 20 years. Now, I haven't done it for 11 years. But if I was a judge this year, you would have won Best Actress. She wow. said that was phenomenal. Oh, wow. Well, and that's, that's great. Th- that's the other thing to say. Like, her acting was just incredible. Like, the emotion on her face. Like, you could tell, like, how this character was feeling. Unbelievable. And that's, that, again, I was so happy. And I told her in my facts, logic, and reason, that lady didn't need to say that to you. She could have jetted and left. Yeah. Sure. So she might be a super sweet lady who says that in every musical she goes to, and that's her thing, but I don't think so. Right. Yeah. And so that really matters. So go ahead. Yeah. I was just going to say, you know, on Bella's behalf, like it is hard for, there is, they say we're our own worst critics for a reason. Like that's a natural thing. Right. 
But uh, here's some facts, logic, and reason looking toward the future. Like, okay, so she feels that way, and that's okay, and that's like you. I, I love that you said that. Like, it's a, I get it. It's okay that you feel that way. That's also going to be some of her drive, though. You know what I right. mean? Like, she's not satisfied. And that's also another trait of people who are successful is, oh, we're never quite satisfied. I say we like I'm successful. They are never quite satisfied, and they're always wanting to, you know, what can I do to improve a little bit? Mm-hmm. What can I, how you can I take to find that, that next balance. step? Sure. Because, like, we had a terrible volleyball match last night. And one of the guys on the bus was going over all the things that he did well and rationalizing it away. And it's okay. And it's okay. And I'm like, no, it's not. Like, you got to feel worse about what you did, bro. Right. Like, that's not going to get you anywhere. Yeah. Because otherwise, they're going to, he's going to go to the next practice and be like, everything's fine. Right. Which goes back to the old phrase, I did my best. Nobody says that after they've accomplished anything. That. Right. They always say that after they failed. Uh, that's a good, Nobody ever wins. I thought about hey, that. I did my best and I won. <laughs> no. Nope. The only other the other thing I will add is uh I think it was it was either Palm Sunday or Easter Sunday. I woke up and my right ear was clogged like I had been on a plane or up and down a mountain. Mm. But I wasn't sick. I didn't have any congestion. It was just clogged. And it was that way for like two and a half days. And I put that in the category of very often weird things happen to me Saturdays into Sundays. I think it's a spiritual attack, whatever. I've woken up three different times in the middle of the night with the driest eye I could possibly have. Like I have a piece of cardboard stuck in my eye. So I, I put it to that. Woke up this morning, right here, clogged. Mm. Taking a decongestant twice. It's like, gets a little bit better. It's mm. just, don't know, perfectly fine. Couldn't be more healthy. Hmm. Could be the new strain of COVID. Nobody knows. Nobody <laughs> I knows. was going to say ear COVID. Ear COVID is one of the worst ones. <laughs> and Bella has her wisdom teeth appointment tomorrow, so that's oh, going to be yeah. fun. Oof. Well, for me, let's see. Um, the bad happening for me is just the um, busyness of... Well, I'll start with work. Like it, It's test time, boys. It is testing time. There's PSSAs happening. There's um, Acadiance testing for the younger kids and it's just like is this group your schedule um not as much as amy's thank goodness her schedule is crazy she was telling me this morning to be amy right oh that's what she says too um (laughs) (laughs) all the time it's really sad um she had like they do a two-hour delay schedule except of course they arrive on time and those first two hours are her like covering classes during testing and then she has to do her whole day schedule, like crammed into the rest of the, the right. day. So it's it's like it's extra for me. It's no, it's, I don't have to change my schedule too much. I just do have to help out a little bit. Uh, uh, you got to help out with that other stuff, the testing and, and whatnot. You got to be a proctor. Uh, a little, yeah, a little bit, a little bit. That's annoying. Um, so it's you, just why you became a music teacher. That's right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I said you forget know what? passion of music. <laughs> <laughs> Sit in a room all day, right? Um, and it's not it, it, it's not that bad for me, so I don't want to make it sound like oh my school's making but it's me something. But it's something, yeah. It's just busyness within the building, even if not just for me. It's just like well, there's all this stuff going on, and all the kids are a little worked up because there's you know they've been right. if nothing, even if I haven't been, they've been crammed in in a, a single room testing for hours, you know that sort of thing. So that's going on, and then uh, more busyness. But this leads into one of my goods is. Um, Amy and I, and you, with your guys' help, have been planning for Patty's longest day. I can't remember if we mentioned that on another episode. We have. Yeah. Yeah. So that's our... Um, and we'll talk about it every episode. Right. <laughs> that's our uh, celebration of Amy's mother's life. 
Um, wow, a lot of pressure there. Right? Well, <laughs> Man, I hope I have a good it's game a small gesture in that direction, at least. But it's... <laughs> yeah, you better... Let me off. I better, get my ace. <laughs> you better play well, bro. No. Um, but, um, you know, like we said before, a few years ago, we did a concert. Now we're doing a disc golf tournament. And, um, of course, that all just takes a lot of... Doing. Yes. So, Amy and I have been... Um, I was going to say scrambling, but that's not true because we're, we're on task and we're on time, but just a lot of tasks. With the pressure of, okay, is anybody going to play? Right. Sure. Yeah. Let's I mean, get there's people, people signed up. Two. Two. Yeah. We need some more. Well, I was wondering, do we have to sign up? I yes. mean, I'm playing. Yeah, it would be good. But I mean, are we playing together? Like, how do we do that? Well, we can talk about that another time. Okay. Yeah, we'll figure out tell us those details. But um it's coming together. It's great. I would, I just turned the artwork in to Innova today. They're cool. gonna we're gonna get some purple discs, which is you know, that's the Alzheimer's color. So purple champion discs with a white nice uh, logo. Oh, champion. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Right. So it'll be it'll be very nice. Um what disc? Mako three. Oh, nice. Good. Well, well, I just want like a neutral mid range. Yeah, you know, something I have three of them. Everybody can use We'll get you something else, Jay. We'll get you something else. <laughs> no, I'll get you I don't have a champion one. So maybe it's overstable. Nice. I'm glad we're going to talk about this later, not to get too far in the weeds for disc golf. <laughs> and one more quick thing is yeah. Ben is home from college. Oh, Benny. Oh, boom. And ben. we are just, we're always happy when he when he's home. And um, <laughs> with all our busyness right now, we're just so thankful for his help. But here, we came home from work yesterday. Oh, I know where you're going. Did he tell you? No, I just House is clean. Nope. Dinner's ready. Nope. No, he was naked, laying in the living room. <laughs> Thank goodness, no. Uh, no, the lawn was mowed. Oh, like, bad. what a great thing to come home to. Like, it wasn't, you know, normally it's like, hey, it's getting long. Can you get to that in the next day or two, right? Just did it. Just, I walked in. I was like, who mowed the lawn? He said, oh, I did. I said, why? <laughs> he said, they need it done. My man. Wow. Like, not bad. even my boy anymore. He's my man. So, proud of him. Gotta love Ben. Gotta love Ben. And what's nice is the pattern that you had was the grass grows, the grass grows. Then you have to debate, okay, do I need to tell him to cut the grass? He should know to cut the grass, but he's not going to offer to cut the grass. So then you finally have to bring it up. And that could eventually work its way into an argument or Mm -hmm. some sort of a discussion or a hurt. And too often, that is what is indicative of any relationship that we have, especially husband, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend. Uh, those type things, they have the same fight. We find ourselves having the same fight over and over again, just with different details. And if you have not yet listened to it, um, after you get done with today's episode on how to fix it, go back and listen to episode 154, uh, Bad Patterns, I believe it was called, in relationships, mm-hmm. where we identify... And we describe what they are. We identify why they are the way they are. And uh, it's very important because I've yet to meet with a couple that didn't say, oh, yeah, it's the same fight over Mm. and over again. Mm -hmm. I'm right now working with a wonderful, absolutely wonderful young couple who is getting married in about a year. And I'm just so proud of how they have taken to the teaching of how to meet emotional needs, how to keep each other from feeling alone. And they have even noticed this already. You know, I've, I've, I've talked about it and they're like, man, we see it in all, all of our friends that are married. And they're like, yeah, it's the same fight. Like, you know, they come to us with the same fight over and over mm-hmm. again. And I just had a meeting tonight and it was great because that couple who's already married perfectly demonstrated 
their same pattern over and over again. And as I described it, they were just both nodding their heads and, and they were so great because they could, they could conceptualize like, Oh, that is what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And so literally their homework for, for next time we get together is listen to last week's and then listen to this week's. Now, did they recognize it on their own? Or Gosh, they're not, no, they're, no, not, they're no, not there yet. No. Yeah. I jumped in and pointed it out. And then the other person did the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. Like I said, okay, here's what you're doing. And then mm-hmm. 10 minutes later, the other person was defending what they were doing. I'm like, so this is basically what you guys do all the time. They're like, oh, yeah, absolutely. It's exactly <laughs> what we do. And I'm like, is it productive? They're like, no. Is it hurtful? Yes. All right. Good. <laughs> I bet like anything else, though, it's, you know, it's it's easier, I should say, not better, but easier to learn things when you're younger. Man, I wish like in like marriage prep, like or at least, you know, mid 20s or whatever that I had Amy and I had had started this way like what a cool way to start a marriage i would hope so i mean or else i'm wasting a lot of people's time (laughs) (laughs) but uh so go over the show notes if you will you'll have an outline on what this all is Uh, i don't think we have to go too much in depth to get people caught up as far as the what does it look like because most people know what it looks like because it's every fight you have with your spouse and by the way, it doesn't have to be a fight. It could be the way you handle even small problems. Mm-hmm. It seems to be a pattern and it's not productive. Can be not productive more often than not it is. And then also what's really behind it. And a lot of it deals with the communication not being open and honest and vulnerable. It deals with not meeting each other's needs and not even knowing what your emotional needs are. And also... Um, it deals with the reason why you have them are hurts that are unresolved, both outside of the relationship, which can go all the way back to when you were a child, you're carrying hurts with you that have not been comforted that your partner is not necessarily either aware of, um, or they're experiencing the negative ramifications of, because what people do is they look at the impact, the intent of what they are saying and or doing. But they're not looking at the impact of it. Mm-hmm. And if I'm just looking at the intent of what I'm saying or doing and the other person is having this impact inflamed by a past hurt, well, then I don't understand that. And they may not even know that that's why that's happening. Mm. And that is a hurt that's outside of the relationship, let alone a hurt that has happened within the relationship that so often if you've made it X amount of years in a relationship, you say, well, we've moved on. Mm. We got past it. No, you have not. <laughs> because that's why you're still one of the reasons why you're still having this fight. Did you guys have any conversations with anybody about last week's episode? I didn't tell you to, but I just wondered if it came up. Uh, go for it. I, I mean, we, Amy and I just talked about a couple of things and like where our st- ours stem from. And a lot of it comes from other relationships and how they impact ours. You know, like, which is what do you wait? Oh, like relationships with family. And okay, like, I you thought know, you meant previous. Yeah, relationships. No, with... no, like just you know, other people will do something or say something, and then that causes us like, oh, now we got a situation, and now we have to deal with that, and blah 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 blah. You know, that kind of thing. No, that's a good point. In that, very often, the relationships that we've had growing up with siblings, with you know, if you come from a, a high tease family Mm. and everybody teases all the time and yet your spouse was raised in a family where you got yelled at where they got yelled at all the time Mm. and so 
you tease and they take it very personally because it reminds them, you know, this has nothing to do with each other, but what Chris is emoting without why, speaking. Why, <laughs> why are you in my head again? <laughs> oh, it's, it's a vacuous space. Why? <laughs> <laughs> Boom. Rose. Cause that's exactly Amy and I, and like, I was not just to be clear. I was not thinking of you guys. Oh, I know. But that it's I love when that ha- I really I I love when that happens. I'm like, man, he's talking about me again with like that's awesome. Did you come from a teasing family? Yeah, or at least a sarcastic sort of like yes. teasing. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll call it teasing. We'll call it teasing. We'll call it teasing. I um, cried a lot as a kid. <laughs> <laughs> and um so yes, like specifically I, and I feel like my mother took the brunt of a lot. And that kind of started like with my dad, um, some of the times the way he spoke with her. And then it became a thing that sometimes us kids did. And like, how disrespectful is that? And, you know, I think for the most part, we have grown out of that um, and recognize that. And I think there's a lot of healthier relationships there now. But um, yeah. And so when Amy and I started going out and he, you know, early on in our marriage or whatever, um, there was a lot of me saying sarcastic things to her and she did not take it the way, like, or even teasing. Like, I know you, I think you meant teasing in a more lighthearted way too. And sometimes I, I still do that. Honestly, like, um, I like to be silly, but she, like her perspective of things, she came from, a childhood where she always felt like she was not enough. Correct. She was not good yeah. enough. And so no matter how lighthearted I mean something, that's not generally how she's taking it. And right there, it could be, I'm sure it was, many an argument. Yes. Because all you would do is say, that's not what I meant by that. Yes. And my brain has always gone to, and I still, I, I this is my current fight with myself right now, is like, why is it not good enough? That I just I I just want to say what I think. Why can't I just say what I think? Like I didn't intend for it to be however you're feeling. So therefore, I'm not in the wrong. Mm. And so like again, it's my current fight. Like like half I'd say now well less than half my brain actually believes that. And finally, the majority of my brain is like. But if you're not actually getting across what you think you're getting across, you're not actually getting it across. I don't know that you've said something more brilliant on this podcast. <laughs> no, I'm not making that wasn't a joke. Right? No, okay. That yeah. was absolutely phenomenally said. Because that's actually that's sort of two steps. Because the first is it doesn't matter what your intent is. But the second was sort of a slap back at yourself. That you're priding yourself on your intent. Well, then your intent isn't very good. Right. If they're not receiving, because you don't know your audience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you said, it's not, you know, what I'm intending to say is not getting across. And the focus in that moment is on the intent. It is not on how it is received. Mm-hmm. And if we are in a relationship to keep the other person from feeling alone, then we have to focus on how it is received. And too often... That is not the case, and that is why people end up in bad patterns in their relationships. Yeah, and I, I just to add this, um, when that happens, to, I, it happens to so many of us. Um, I think it's a, it's a very, 
at least for people with brains like mine, it's a very natural place to go that, well, wait a minute, I meant this, and so that's that's what I said, that's what I meant, and that's the end of it. It's not what I said that was wrong. You perceived it wrong. Right. Oh, yeah. thank you. Yes. Oh, yeah. Like, you're not hearing me correctly. Right. And, of course, there are instances where someone actually didn't hear something correctly, but that's because not what we're talking about. Because of past hurts, though. Oh, sure. Yeah. Because it's all stacked on. And so people with brains like mine... Um, you have to really go out of their way. Like if you want to be in a better relationship, you have to flip the way that you think about communication. At least that's how I've had to, had to do it. It's a strong statement, but I don't know that it's a wrong statement. I think it's probably an accurate statement. Maybe I'm the worst. Maybe nope. I have to flip more than anybody. No, you're so far so, ahead of the game because you're at least thinking about it. Uh, right. And tell my wife. I tend to... <laughs> I almost measure how well you're doing based on the amount of time before you realize you screwed up. Mm, mm -hmm. You know, the person that's like, it's all her, it's not me. All right, well, then you get an F. <laughs> if you're like, you know, a week later, you're like, you know, I could have said this differently. All right, well, you're about to see. Well, actually, no, it's well above average. Most, most people exist at the F level. You know, and then you get to like the next morning. You know, honey, I could have said this. Yeah. And now that I think about it, you know. And then you get to the level where in the moment you go real slow and you're saying, here's what I'm saying. I, I think I can understand. Help me understand how you feel. Help mm -hmm. me what happened in your heart when I said this. You know, that's when you get to like the professor level. Wow. I'm about a B plus, I think. No. And see, you just said you were the worst. Right. So I'm not the worst, but I'm about a B plus. So I, I do like a, oh, half the time I'm in the moment trying to find my way. And the other half of the time... I'm about like five, ten minutes late. And I'm oh, like, you're doing fine. Ah, let me go back in there and, and. Or a whole podcast late, like last week when you were going over what happened between you and Amy. Frozen chicken. Oh, the frozen chicken fight. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, and that, but that again, so that was, that all happens. And then the five or ten minutes, and I'm like, well, no, because I'm sorry. In that moment, I was trying to do something, but it w still wasn't coming across. But you were at least thinking. Yeah, You're I was at least game. thinking. And then five or ten minutes later, I was like, oh, maybe I should have approached it this way. Well, we want everybody to have the opportunity to break the patterns of uh, bad patterns in relationships. So we're going to go over that tonight. And the first thing is, and you'll notice this mirrors uh, or follows along with a lot of the essential components of a successful relationship and we have podcasts on that as well the first and again we are christians doing a podcast this isn't inherently a christian podcast and when i teach the successful components to a relationship to non-christians whether they be just sort of you know agnostic or of another faith i tell them listen this is only something that's going to help you and it is essential now, you can not do it and still have a good marriage. But so the first thing we have to do is you have to seek God's input on the matter. Mm -hmm. So what does that mean? What does that look like? Well, you simply sit there in your heart. And you say, God, how do you feel about what I did? How do you feel about what I said? It's not rocket science. Right. But it's hard to do if you're not used to doing that mm -hmm. because you got to be still you got to be quiet and then you have to trust that god's actually going to answer you and it can be convicting <laughs> Chris when you like, listen i it. don't like to say that <laughs> <laughs> well i 
I'm sure there are maybe you guys in the room or others out there at the table, like you, you have those moments where you're like, no, I did something wrong. I don't even want to bring, like, I'm too ashamed to even open myself up to that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it's hard to, mm-hmm. to say, okay, God, lay it on me. Like, mm-hmm. talk to me. Like, let me really hear how you feel, uh, you know, about this or how I would feel through you and, and for the other person. And it's like, it can be convicting. Mm-hmm. And my encouragement to anybody, I mean, yeah, you, certainly it can be. But my encouragement to anybody is just practice it. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it's, you know, God's at the center of your relationship. Okay, we'll put a plaque on the wall. No, it, that isn't how it works. You know, mm-hmm. it's literally going to him because he created you. He created them. He loves you. He loves them. I think he's going to want to be involved. <laughs> and so go ahead and ask those questions. That question. The second question is, how does he, that be God, feel for the other person? So mind you, this is for any mundane quick argument or the big fights. If you can sit there and say, God, how do you feel for my spouse? How do you feel for them right now? It changes the way you look at it. Mm. Because all you're doing is look at them, looking at them based on how they made you feel. Mm-hmm. And or or you know what needs they didn't meet or ways they've taken a need from you. But when you ask God, hey God, can you give me your perspective on this situation? Because think about it, like when somebody else comes to you, a mere mortal, <laughs> and asks, you know, tells you about a fight they were in with a spouse. You see it differently. You can see both sides, depending on who it is. And you can offer a perspective. Well, how about the one who created them? The one who loves them more than they love each other. I think I didn't tell this story last week, but when Rachel and I were learning all this down in Texas, we were doing a one-on-one with this one teacher and learning all this. And the one day coming after lunch, I sat in Rachel's seat. Now, mind you, there's three of us in the room. There's no assigned seats. Well, the dude had his seat. Okay, whatever. Mm-hmm. I didn't share this last week, did I? I don't think so. So, for fun, two teas, I went and sat in Rachel's seat. And if you know Rachel, she does not like change. <laughs> and I made her make me get up in front of him and switch seats. Mm. It's not a really big deal until I was sitting there and going through this sort of worksheet process. And I thought, hmm, well, the reason why I did that is because I'm afraid that Rachel's not going to learn this stuff and that she's not going to change because she doesn't like change. And so I need to apologize to her for making her feel uncomfortable in this situation and really kind of doubting her. And so I'm going through the process by myself in a room. And I sat there and I went, okay, God, all right, what am I supposed to ask you? Okay, God, how did you feel for Rachel? When I sat in her seat and I swear to you all, but audibly, God said to me these words, I believe in Rachel Hmm. alone in a room in a church in Texas. I started weeping. Hmm. It was that clear. And that I realized the ramifications of what I was doing in switching seats. And they told us, pick a little something. And I'm like, okay, I sat in her seat. No big deal. God, how do you feel for Rachel? I believe in Rachel. And I lost it. Hmm. So it works like that. Mm-hmm. And I encourage everybody to do that and to certainly listen. Don't just ask it and move on. Sit there. And then you'll say, was it just me or am I just saying that in my head? No, trust it. Move forward with it and certainly engage God in that part of your relationship problem solving. Jay, would you say that that is also 
a way to get out of your own head as as far as um you know your own reaction to things like we talked last week about how when we have a hurt we we go to either self-condemnation guilt anger or fear right mm-hmm. did i get them right Ooh, i'm learning something um one of the basics keep going <laughs> 155 episodes in <laughs> finally got four of these things um it's one thing actually with four components <laughs> you were saying okay professor so um for example when amy and i get into an argument when i'm sitting there thinking about it at whatever point afterwards or sometimes even during like i am all of that stuff is coming at me through my own filter mm-hmm. of anger or guilt, right? Those are usually my two. Um, as soon as you reach out to God, then you're saying, okay, let's put aside how I'm feeling and and, and my own filters. It's sort of, I guess I'm asking, is it sort of a way to get out of that filter for a moment? Right. It certainly is. And that that's why I would say that is the pragmatic benefit right. to doing this. But, and I'm not, I am only doing this as an illustration, not to make fun of you. Mm. What I am saying is that it is offered to those who have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ and have been given the Holy Spirit. You are tapping into the God of all creation who knows everything, who is all loving and asking for his input and in how to love that other person. Yeah, and also it's a nice trick to get yourself out of your own brain. Right. No, I was definitely okay, being more pragmatic. Right. Absolutely. You know, I'm, like, yeah. I'm saying it's, okay, that's worth a billion. Yeah. And your way is like, ah, oh, it's a good little trick. Right. But if it's better than not doing it. Right, right. Right. And so if you're not there, if you don't have that intimate relationship with God, sure, it still gives you that. So that is a very pragmatic way of looking at it, mm-hmm. but I don't want to diminish the real power of it. Right. Number two, understand where their hurts go. And you just touched on this and be mindful and loving with that knowledge. Chris just so eloquently pointed out that our hurts go to anger, fear, guilt, and self-condemnation. They go somewhere to one of those. And one of the problems in relationships and bad patterns is with we have conflicting places where they go. If somebody goes to anger and the other person goes to guilt, well, then guess what? They're always going to be angry at that person. That person's always going to be feeling guilty, which will work in a dysfunctional way for a time until it works. In other words, it doesn't create conflict. It doesn't create peace. It doesn't create growth or intimacy, but then eventually the guilty person is going to get a little tired of being the guilty person. Mm -hmm. Come on, Chris, just get out of my head. (laughs) No, that's, I think I mentioned that last week, actually that, um, and I never really, I always thought I went to guilt, um, and I think, you know, I do. That's sort of my, I think we that's my second. We all touch on each of them in a given right. moment, but predominantly but I reside think in one or the one or two. Especially in my relationship with Amy, I think I tend, because, you know, in a, I think most people would say this. In a person you're in a, a more um, intimate relationship with, whether it be a spouse or just close friends or whatever, you can tend to be, you're, you're, you're more real with them and you're more like there can tend to be... Um, I don't know, more serious conversations and therefore more serious, potentially more serious conflict. Um, and so I think with, with her specifically, I can tend to go to anger in our arguments and she definitely goes to guilt and self condemnation. 
That, and that doesn't go anywhere good. Yeah, it's tough. And now in more recent times, she's trying to come out of that guilt and have more open conversations with me, like more presenting herself, I think, a little more confidently and whatnot. And so that's a different dynamic that we're trying to deal with and make it more healthy. And for if, if yours go to anger and fear, you want to be careful that you're not throwing it at the other person. Right. You can be hurt by what they've done. And that's where the focus needs to be. But if you give way to that anger or to that fear and you just, uh, you know, direct it at the person, well, that's not going to be productive to the solution. And conversely, if yours go to the guilt and self-condemnation, you won't necessarily see what's really going on. So the person may be saying, hey, you didn't meet my need for security. And then if you have guilt and self-condemnation, you'll very quickly make it selfish. I am the worst. I'm terrible. It's my fault. I don't know why you put up with me. Well, we're still not meeting that need. And so your guilt and self-condemnation is getting in the way of the healing of of the unmet need or the need that has been taken from them. <laughs> I got to think. I got to think that's really tough for people who, who have the self-condemnation uh, track for, for where their hurts go. Because you're like, I'm not, not you, but just that, that fact that, okay. Listen, you got to stop being so self-condemning. Oh, I'm the worst. Well, I sure. keep doing that. Yeah. Well, that was where my hurts went for the longest time. And, and that same guy down in Texas, he said, I want you to make a list of all the things you're grateful for, because gratitude is the antidote for self-condemnation. And, you know, once you realize what you're so grateful for, you won't feel like, you know, you have all this stuff. You're not going to feel like, oh, I'm such a loser because a loser wouldn't have all this stuff. Mm. And I told him, I said, ah, it won't work. And he goes, why? And I said, because I'm going to say, man, I've been blessed with all this stuff, and yet I'm still such a jerk. <laughs> and he was like, well, that's alarming. And I was like, well, that isn't good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when a guy who's seen everything tells you you're alarming. But conversely, it's also hard for the angry person. Oh, yeah, don't be mad at them. Oh, of course. Yeah. Again, that's because of hurts. So you're not going to not do it. You have to be mindful of it. Right. And give grace and make sure that you're at least, again, people aren't even aware of it. Well, if you're aware of it now, okay, now we can do something with it and make that time shorter and shorter to when we realize we didn't. Thirdly, we have to truly identify what are their hurts, what needs were not met or taken from them. And what you want to start with that is, you know, how is it that need should have been met? How do you like to have that need met? Okay, because if you don't know how you like to have that need met, you can't understand what it's like to not have that need met. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I'm I'm also I'm sitting here contemplating like I mean that it's it's a big that's not a that's not a, a five minute conversation kind of thing. Like you have to if you're gonna know the other person's hurts and um what needs were not met or taken from them in their past. I mean that's definitely this is in a growing relationship um, like as you're getting to know a person or I guess in retrospect, like for us, like in a marriage of years, now you have to go back in and say, okay, no, wait, let me think more about where this is coming from. Well, right. But also let's just keep it to yourself. Say you're the one that's hurt. You, you want to make sure you know why did it hurt? So first of all, what was the need not met? Too often, all we hear in a relationship mm -hmm. is, oh, he's been pissing me off. Right. Okay, how? Well, because he did this. No. What need did it not meet? 
or what need was taken from you. So, okay, now we've identified it. All right, well, how could they have met it? You know, if all we just do is that, I don't like, you know, I remember one time I said to Rachel, I don't even remember the story now, which maybe that's a sign of health. But I said, you don't get to do that. And she goes, yes, I do. And I went, all right, then. <laughs> I was like, okay, because she was being like unfair with her argumentation. And she's like, yes, I can. And I'm like, all right. But ideally, if I say you didn't meet my need for security in this relationship, I should be able to say to you, here's how you could have met it. Mm. If I say to you, you didn't meet my need for security, how can I meet your need for security? I don't know. Right. Well, that ain't that's a long road back. Yeah. Or so, you didn't meet my need for security, so F you. <laughs> like, right. But how can I meet your need? Right. Yeah, so yeah. now that I understood, oh, this is how it took it from you. Now, how can I meet it in the future? Um, the other thing that I would add in this regard. So it's really what we're saying is be well-versed in emotional needs. Be well-versed in what you need, what your spouse needs, what they don't need. But also look for the conflict between the two. I met with somebody recently and the one I, it's been coming up a lot lately. And I mean a lot. And it was mine and Rachel's when we were first married. And that's the respect security. Well, if somebody has a high need for security, it may breach upon that other person's need for respect. Right. And we, and we talked about that last week. Yeah. Sometimes emotional needs, you know, if you have a high need for comfort and the other person has no need for comfort, boy, that's gonna, that's even within one need mm-hmm. that can be a conflict. If somebody has, a high need for or no need for comfort and the other person has a high need for acceptance mm-hmm. and they're saying look i need to know are we okay are we okay and like i just don't want to talk about it you know well those are conflicting because i need to talk about it to right. know that i'm okay even though i screwed up and the other person's saying look i just need to move on i don't want to deal with this right now i i can't deal with it you know so we want to make sure that if our if we both have high needs and those needs are conflicting we have to be mindful and make sure that we're meeting each other's needs mm-hmm. in that process. Because what happens, the opposite happens quickly. I didn't meet this need. I'm not going to meet this need. And it goes back. And then all mm-hmm. of a sudden, no needs are being met. I think it's really hard when, um, and maybe this is just me not knowing enough, but like if you have very different high needs from your spouse, um, and, and sometimes it can feel like, okay, I'm going to love them with this. But in that, in giving that, it kind of takes away something of your own. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's pretty general. Oh, I'm being very vague. <laughs> I don't have a, I don't have a specific. I'm sorry. But like, you know, like two, like you were talking about two well, conflicting say, needs. And like if one is. Um, say it's affection and acceptance. Acceptance okay. is being loved even though you've made a mistake. So. I have a high need for acceptance. No, let's say I have a high need for affection. So I go, no, that doesn't work either. I was going to say, I go and I hug, you know, Rachel's upset. So I hug her. Well, she's like, I don't want that. Say, okay. So say I have a high need for affection and I have a high need for acceptance. Okay. So Rachel's upset. I or mad at me or whatever else. So I go hug her. Well, she doesn't want that. I'm giving her what I want. Right. So then she says, you know, get away. I'm, I don't feel like that right now. Mm-hmm. Well, now my need for acceptance has been taken from me. Right. Because I didn't meet her need for whatever she needed in that moment. So she pushed me away. Well, no, it's so bad. You won't even let me hug you. And so it's catapulting downward in that regard. Yeah. That's not the example you exactly brought up, but it's similar to that. Works for me. All right. (laughs) So we want to seek God's input on the matter. You want to know where your hurts go in general. We want to know exactly what the hurts are and how do we meet them or how have they been hurt?
Ooh, I really like the next one. Why don't you read it? I, I shall. And then, so, big realization is that meeting another's needs is loving them. Why is that so impactful for you? Because, well, I, I guess I, I, it dovetails with what I was, was mentioning earlier with, like, the idea that, well, what I say is, is very important. And what I say, like, this is my intent. This is what I'm... But if you're in a relationship, like, the, I, the most important intent is to love, right? So when you get... When, you, when that comes full circle then and you're like, okay, well, if my intent is to love, then I should be thinking of things from their perspective and and meeting their needs. Mm-hmm. And I just and, – and I always, you know, we say love is a verb, right? It's not necessarily something you feel that can be part of it. But if you are actively loving someone, then you are purposefully making decisions that impact them in a loving way. And like, this is a huge way to do that. I don't know. I just think that one sentence is just so. Sure. If, you know, you know I marry a lot of people and I would say anymore, eh, half the couple uses the love chapter in the Bible. Love is patient. Love is kind. You know, love is not self-seeking. You know, what's well, all those things. If you're meeting somebody's needs, that's what you're doing. You know, it does not keep record of wrongs. It does not. That's what this is. Mm-hmm. We, go ahead. No, I'm sorry. I was just going to say, you know what's so sad is like, I I hear that quote now and I'm like, oh, I've heard oh, that sure. at every, every wedding. wedding. Every it's like one. cliche. Yeah. But given this application. Really, yes. If you really get into that quote, um, exactly. Like it's all laid out for you. Love it. Right. Yeah. We, we read this at our wedding. We didn't. I don't think we did. We did. But and then it's like. You're getting into an argument, and all you're doing is proving your point. Yeah. Well, that's not really loving, is now is it? Loving is being all those things and saying, okay, how can I meet your needs? Not defending my purpose. Be aware of your and their emotional needs as compared to their hurts. Commit to being open and honest and vulnerable. So we sort of talked about this earlier in regards to hurts. Okay, what, what was hurt? But now it's, hey, what are their needs in general, and how can we meet those needs? So... Outside of conflict, are we meeting their needs? Because, hey, here's a way to break a pattern of hurts is don't hurt them. Mm. And so if we know what their needs are, that's a bonus. If we don't know what their needs are, we're being and we are open and honest and vulnerable with our own needs. And again, outside of conflict. Hey, uh, I just need you to know that right now I just really need this. And here's some ways you can do that. Now, so. So up to this point, like all everything you've mentioned has been um, sort of understanding where you are coming from and understanding where your partner is coming from. Understanding the impact that your words or actions have had on your partner. Yes. Have not had. where you're coming from. So okay, you're making sorry. it about you again. Oh, no, it's that's about, not what I meant. But I hear I hear what right. you're saying. Yes. So the impact that that has had. This one sounds like, okay, now here's how to be proactive. Yeah, it's certainly a much more proactive way of looking at it. And not communicating. And But I mean, also in a expressing of a hurt, being open and honest and vulnerable with our communication. Because we don't always know the impact. Okay, well, hey, here's what I need, but also could be, here's really what happened. Mm. Here's my need. Here's how it wasn't met. And I, and I need you to know that it really kind of left me hurting and it left me feeling this way. Not not saying it, not screaming and yelling at it, 
Hmm. Not, you know, uh, getting back at them through it, but knowing your needs, knowing their needs and being open and honest and vulnerable to communication of that. If we are not being open and honest and vulnerable, you have got so little chance of fixing this pattern. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Almost none. Because there's no honest communication. It's not open. It's all veiled. Who are who of anybody listening to this, sitting with us at the table, are so wise you completely understand what your spouse is feeling at all times, you can pick up on it and break through and meet their need without talking about it. That'd be none. <laughs> you might have an idea of how they might be feeling. Sure. But how often in the conflict are you like, wow, I, wow, you felt that way? Because we wouldn't be arguing. If it made total sense, you'd be like, oh, I knew you were feeling that way, and I'm really sorry. Yeah. No, but you're like, no, well, how are you feeling that way? That doesn't make any sense, because here's what I meant. Yep. So if you're not open and honest and vulnerable, I don't know if you have a shot at it. And if both people are not committed to this process of examining our emotional needs Realizing where our hurts go, realizing how we've been hurt, and mutually giving to fix this, you're only going to have more problems down the road. So you're saying that it is... It can't be one-sided. Yeah. It is like paramount that two people in a relationship that are going to attempt this... To break a bad pattern. Yes. Need to go into it together. I would say so. Okay. Okay. Sure, that's mutual giving. Right. One but, person's just giving the whole time. Right. But if one person's listening to this podcast and saying, ooh, I'm going to try that, that could have lopsided results for sure. Well, you're going to get fatigued. You're going to get frustrated because your needs aren't getting met. However, mm-hmm. not to contradict, but to, um, to give a roadmap, I think you could do that for a while and see if they notice. Mm. And they may say, hey, how come? Mm. And you say, well, I've just been really trying to be a little more open with this. Then the other person might have you know, realized, wow, you've really been making me feel great lately. And hey, you didn't yell at me when I got upset. You know, yeah. it could be a wedding of the appetite, but it won't last long term. Right. Both it's, yeah, it's not practical. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't encourage you if like your spouse won't listen to this podcast. I would encourage you to be like, well, I'm not going to be open then. But it should be a goal to have both. But you could start for mm-hmm. sure. Okay. Now we get into some of the messiness. Well, that's all messy. Who we can? Wouldn't hmm. you wouldn't be listening this far into the podcast if it if, if it wasn't messy and it was easy? You got to heal all the hurts, starting with the outside of the relationship wounds, and we need to heal those old wounds. And we've gone over comfort. That is the only thing that gets rid of old hurts. Every other kind of counseling, every other kind of medication, every other kind of therapy deals with the hurts. True comfort, joining somebody in their emotions, sharing their emotions, shared experience therapy. If you want to call it a a type of therapy, that's what it's called. Shared experience therapy, where you share in the experience that was negative that they had and you join them in it is the only thing that gets rid of hurts. Mm. It's the only thing that heals them. Time heals all wounds. No, 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 no. Comfort does. It's funny. Speaking of comfort, because comfort is one of the 10 emotional needs. And I, it came to, it came to my, my mind because comfort is is the, I think in my mind, the hardest of the emotional needs to understand and wrap my head around. 
But as I was using my new electric lawnmower, <laughs> I feel like I, I it kind of just hit me of like, basically it's it's the amount of comfort that person needs when something happens. Is that accurate? Like if there's a death, it you know, or if somebody loses their pet, let's use, let's let's use that. Some people might be like, I'm okay, you know, like you, you, you nice for people to say, oh, I'm really sorry, you know, but like you know. You're okay. You're gre- you are grieving, but you don't need people to be, you know, oozing, you know, or like just oozing comfort. Yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> like just all over you and smothering you with, with comfort and whatnot. Or you might really want that. I know this is like a side note, but no, it's an interesting point because to me, and it's interesting for several reasons, one of which being that you say this is the hardest one to wrap your head around because. To me, comfort is the only emotional need that everybody must experience. Right. Right. But yet some people have a score of 10. Some people have a score of negative 10. Right. But it's still it's still essential. Right. Because it's what comfort, it's what heals hurts. Right. So what I look at when I look at somebody's score and what I have found is if somebody has a high need for comfort, to me it means they're very uh, open to it. And they're very eager to have it. Whereas somebody has a low score, they don't want it. Oh, it might be necessary. So whether they just lost a pet or lost their entire family in a wild elephant accident, they still don't want you to come alongside them. If it's negative. If they have a negative score. And so the analogy I use is if I cut, if, if Joe cuts his arm, now Joe's allergic to latex. Well, I still have to put a Band-Aid on him, but that Band-Aid is going to give him a rash because he's allergic to latex. Mm-hmm. So he still needs to have that wound covered up, but he's not going to like it. Whereas if somebody else doesn't, hey, slap a Band-Aid on it and move on. Right. So to me, it's more the the comfort <laughs> with being comforted <laughs> is the score measuring. Right. You're You're... Right, because think about think about somebody not comfortable. It's awkward for think about somebody who's had a great loss but doesn't have a high need for comfort. You go up to them and they go, "Man, you know, hey, what are you gonna do?" Man, now I kind of want to look up what my number is because I feel like it's kind of negative. And that's how much you you seek and are comfortable with comfort, right? But why I say it's difficult is because everybody that's the only way that you heal it. Now, somebody, let's say somebody, well, because I think from my perspective, I feel like it's self condemnation is where. I go with it because like, oh, I don't deserve like that comfort. Like, you know, I'm okay. Well, well now you're describing yeah. why your number is the way it is. Yeah. Well, I don't know what my number is, but that's, Let's what, say that's it's what it's low. My, yeah. yeah. But that, that doesn't change the fact that it is what it is. Right, 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 right. So, but again, the reason why it's different is it's the only one that you have to have. If you have no need for encouragement and nobody ever encourages you, fine. doesn't affect your life at all. Better, actually. Mm-hmm. But if you have a negative 10 in comfort and you don't want anybody around you, well, then you're just going to be very alone. You still have to have somebody, a trusted loved one, join you in your emotion. Hmm. Now, the thing is, your emotion might be very small. And that goes back to your other point. Right. We always want to make sure we're matching somebody yeah. in comfort. And we'll get into that into our comfort deep dive in a couple of weeks, a few weeks. Right. You want to attach comfort one-on-one. So you've got a spouse. You've got a close loved one. Yeah. You should be going over their hurts throughout their life. And we have tools to help do that. But sometimes you need the help of an outsider, sort of just like Bella 
hearing that we think she did a great job, mm. oh, that kind of matters. But having somebody else, oh, well, that mattered a little bit more. And so sometimes having another trusted loved one, again, it, it isn't necessary. I mean, it can't even be a stranger. Like there's a workshop Rachel and I went to. And we had to go over some of our biggest hurts from life in front of people we'd met three days earlier. Hmm. And to be very fair, Rachel hated every second of it. Mm. And it did not provide her great comfort. But it can because it did when I went. And so sometimes you need to bring in, you know, the best friend. Because, you know, and, and some of the hurts are sex, um, male, female specific. That a male comforting a female, even if it's husband to wife he's not going to provide the same comfort a best friend might. Mm -hmm. So we want to employ that. And in a worst case scenario, um, seeking outside counsel, you know, vis-a-vis a therapist might be necessary. There mm -hmm. is some severe, you know, undiagnosed trauma is one of the greatest plagues in our world today. Mm. The people, I mean, your brain literally changes when you experience, I'm not saying a bad day. I'm saying trauma. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And your brain has to be, through therapy, rewired so that it perceives things correctly. So you can comfort all you want. It ain't going to go anywhere good if you are that, if you have been that traumatized. And especially from your childhood. You know, childhood traumatic experiences are the single greatest, according to many people and um, leading therapists, negative impacts in, in our society today. Crime, violence, terrible relationships, addictions, all of those things go back to childhood traumatic experiences. So sometimes we do need a professional. Yeah. Wow. Certainly healing the hurts from inside the relationship. We, I don't even know if we've really gone over that on the podcast, the, the really the nuts and bolts of how to do that. We could take a deep dive into that sometime. I think we might have. And we could certainly do it again. But quite simply, we have to confess the way we have hurt our spouse. And again, these are big ones, historical ones that, quote unquote, you've gotten past. Or, and I didn't write this in, but Eric, you'll add it to the notes, express. Because you can't, you know, the other person may not be aware. So we have to express how this hurt us. You can't just sit there and say, when you did this, now you have to express, really, this is what the impact of that was. Because otherwise they can't join you if they don't know how you're feeling. We want to seek understanding. Well, I want to understand how I hurt you mm -hmm. and show you that I understand. Not seek forgive, not seek forgiveness. You know, okay, will you forgive me? Will you forgive me? Will you forgive me? Right. No, no, no. I need to show you. Hey, look, this is what I did. It was wrong. And I think it impacted you this way and took this need from you, this need from you, hurt you in this need. Is there any other way that this hurt you? Yeah, yeah, it hurt me this way. Mm, okay, I can see that. And it breaks my heart. And then the other person, the last step is to forgive. I was going to say, I, I, it seems like maybe apologize was missing from this list, but it sounds like it's it's within the understanding phase. I would say understanding admitting your impact. what you did was wrong. Yeah. yeah. If you understand, like, to a degree, it's almost given. But no, you should say, and it was wrong. Yeah. Uh, it's more repenting than apologizing. Right. This is, the, you know, my goal is to keep you from feeling alone. And I can see that my actions 
made you feel alone in this way, in this way, in this way. And you felt alone in this way, this way, and this way. And it breaks my heart because it's my intent to love you. And I didn't love you in this regard because I didn't meet your needs. Mm. If I just say, hey, will you forgive me? Okay, that's about me. Right. But Make if I show you better. that I yeah. understand how I made you feel, well, that's about you. Which goes back to our point. I'm not clarifying my intent. I'm focusing on your hurt. That is a, I mean, there's not many people that do this. And I will tell you that it has been so beneficial in my relationship with Rachel. And I've seen it in other couples as well. Mm-hmm. When you clean up that backlog of hurts, well, there's a freedom you haven't experienced before. And when you mm-hmm. do it successfully, there's a different level of intimacy. I, I met with somebody recently and, you know, their highest need was clouded by a need just below it. Hmm. They, they, they were not able to have this need met because this need wasn't met. And I don't want to blow up anybody's spot. And that was due to a huge previous hurt. And so now both needs aren't being met because the one was not met previously. That's eh, probably too much in the weeds and too nebulous without giving up identities. But I, I'm excited for them because they're going to get there because they're going to heal old hurts. Mm-hmm. Lastly, uh, seek wise counsel and what i mean by that is not a therapist we already talked about that it is good for us to have us being individuals in relationships people that we can talk to and say was i out of line Mm. (laughs) did i screw this up are they out of line and that has to be people who will be honest with us you do not want yes men Mm -hmm. you don't want you go girl sister you don't want the people that are always going to take your side. Mm-hmm. And this is some, I mean, this is a rare thing. So it's also one of the reasons why it's last. Because too often you just go, you know, you go to the bar, you hang out with the buddies, and he's like, oh, the old ball and chain. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's not good. And the girls, you know, oh, he's such a this. Oh, I know. Mine is so much of that. That's not productive. But to have that person, they can say, you know what? It didn't okay what they said to you. Are you sure? You know, if you're a person that's self-condemning and guilt-ridden. And you go to your friends and you say, no, but it was my fault. And they go, no, it wasn't. You know, th- that's not the way I see it. Yeah. Or if you're angry and you're saying, I can't believe they did this. And your buddy goes, buddy, you're, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you might want to get angry at the mirror. You could use a little self-condemnation here. Mm. You know, <laughs> so, we need to have those relationships. Go ahead. So this is, um, I like that this is last because this feels like now we're getting into sort of the facts, logic, and reason of the discussion. Would you say that that's because, okay, so you said like don't have the echo chamber, don't have the yes men. Um, But that sounds to me a little bit like the comfort phase. Like, okay, you want those people to say, hey, you know, I I get it. I feel for you. You are hurting. And now this, now we're getting to the point of, but let's dig into it a little bit. Like. No, am I am I convoluting that? I don't know. Um, I, I'll clarify and see if this helps. If all you ever do is talk with your spouse, and, and you hear this a lot, that they're the only person you should ever talk to about really important things and stuff like that. If you get trapped in a anger, guilt versus self-condemnation, um, sorry, anger, fear, self-condemnation, guilt situation, 
then that dynamic is very rarely ever going to, and you're not aware of it. It's never going to get broken. Mm. Sometimes you need that outside voice that goes, no, it, it isn't your fault. Or to the other person, no, that's that's not their fault. That's your fault. Mm. You're pinning everything on them. You had something to do with this. So it's good to have that grounded outside perspective in a relationship that can keep you in check if you're in a dysfunctional uh, matchup of emotional needs or where hurts go. Gotcha. Does okay. that make more sense? Yes. Yeah, so you're talking outside of that specific Somebody relationship. Somebody can keep you accountable yeah. and give you honest feedback. That Again, it isn't just the yes man. It's not coalition building. Yeah. It's not an escape or a, or a diversion from the issue, but it's somebody that can say, no, I think you're wrong there and keep you in check or defend you when you won't defend yourself. Mm. I think that is something that a lot of relationships, especially younger ones, don't have because they don't want to. Well, they're not mature enough to have those kind of they're not wise enough in what they've known to have those relationships. They just typically have the yes man and yes girl right. friends. But I think to have that resources, and it's very necessary for them because their whole world gets wrapped up in just, oh, it's just us. Mm-hmm. And if it's dysfunctional, it stays dysfunctional. Awesome. But if we just left them there. <laughs> can't do that. We can't do that. we got to see what's next. What should we say what's next? Uh, replace bad patterns with good uh, like regular check-ins in regards to needs and hurts and spending time building the relationship outside of needs and conflict. You know, we when we've talked about this before, and I've said that in my training, it's called uh, relationship staff meetings. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I've said how I hate that so much. Yeah. And, and just in doing this, I was like, it's emotional check-ins. Mm-hmm. That's so much better of a term. Yeah. yeah. Just have a regular, it could be monthly. For Rachel and I, it's about monthly. And it could <laughs> it's me it's not her like if i left her go ah three years before she'd ever say anything to me but she'll sit down and i'll say hey i mean that's 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 actually not fair because she will share with me when she's feeling a little anxious and whatnot but outside of conflict yeah or outside of experiencing the emotion something something to trigger she ain't bringing it up right right, yeah but it's an emotional check-in hey how are you doing what emotional needs right now do you feel are high on your list you know i know who you are i know what your needs are but what about this week and to check in emotionally mm-hmm. on, a, on a marriage staff meeting or anything like that. It's an emotional check-in. If we're doing that, we're getting ahead of conflict. Because if they say to you, hey, I, I just really need some affection. You know, okay, well, then you're going to give them more affection if you're trying to love them. If they didn't tell you that, you didn't know that, well, then you're not giving them the affection. And now you're giving us a, it's a recipe for hurts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're getting ahead of things. Well, and Amy and I just initiated... Um, that exact thing um, uh, a couple weeks ago now it's and we're doing it weekly like that's our like, I like it our current thing is like okay we're going to be proactive and we're going to have a check-in where we just we discuss and so our we're going to meet after school every thursday somewhere i don't know last week it was carl's heard of it oh, I love carl's. yeah and um yeah just have a, a nice little time together but amidst that time hey Let's check in with each other and just, you know, how are you feeling this week? Like how, you know, mm-hmm. what's what's happening with you emotionally? And we could do a longer explanation of that. But one component I would encourage you to add to that. Hey, what what's your needs this week and how can I meet them? Mm. I find too often somebody's like, oh, I have a high need for, you know, I think I've described this before. I have a high need for affection. Okay, great. So then they come home from work the next day. You run up and hug them. But yet. They're tired and they're like Rachel comes home from work and she's had kids bite her, spit on her, 
you know, kick her all day long and she really has to use the restroom. And if mm-hmm. I come up and give her a big hug, she's like, get away. Well, if I'm like, wait, you needed affection. Right. Then I'm going to be less likely to give her affection the next time. And so it didn't work. But if she says, no, wait, wait until I do this, do that, the other thing, and then just sit down and put your hand on my knee. That's all I want. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, I can do that. So we yeah. want to make sure it's what is your need? How, you know, what, what's your, what needs do you have right now? And do you have any idea of how I can meet them? And would you say that's an example of Rachel providing you grace within your relationship too? That she is, that's sort of her taking a step back and saying, okay, wait, I'm recognizing that he's trying to meet my need. Yeah, if it went that way. Yeah. I mean, that's not a real example. But if she would say, hey, listen, I appreciate that, but that would be grace. That would be her meeting my need for acceptance because I have a high need for acceptance. I'm not saying you're wrong. What I'm saying is I'd like you to meet the need differently. Yeah. So for me, it's just the the complaint I get very often from people is, well, if if I have to tell them how to meet my need, well, then does it really count? And my point is, well, first of all, uh, would you rather not have it met at all? Mm-hmm. Okay, so you'll take that. Okay. Right. Second of all is, then they're going to learn. They're going to learn better. Oh, wait, no, they do like this. They don't like that. Oh, okay. It's so, one of those marriage games that we've talked about before. Indeed it is. And to spend time building the relationship, that's part of this, outside of needs and conflict. you, you got to be building it up so that when something comes against it, it doesn't get torn all the way down. Proactive. Exactly. And lastly, allowing for grace, which was your transition you just made a second ago. Yeah. Um, we're not perfect. We, we, you know, the the person on the other side, they're not the ones that hurt us our whole lives. We, we want to make sure that there is grace. That has to be a focus. It can't just always be that way. You know, there's got to be some growth. There's got to be some intent. But we have to be graceful, gracious in our relationships. Well. With that, we're going to end episode 155, and uh, we really thank you for listening, and we hope it was meaningful for you. Uh, we know uh, if you put these things into practice, it will be very meaningful for you and for those that you're in relationships with. And um, on that note, if you can give us a like or follow on social media and visit us at lunchtimeinrome.com and take our relational needs questionnaire, that would be amazing as well. And for now, we thank you for joining us at the table for Lunchtime in Rome. Bye-bye. See you next week. That should have been long enough for Duke. Bye. Not even my boy anymore. He's my man. But if you're not actually getting across what you think you're getting across, tell me this morning. to be aimed.